I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. If you get really clear on what you do want, then you can grow into a place where it does financially sustain you and make some really clear and super strategic choices about what you spend your time on in order to push that future that you really want forward. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to episode 11. Last episode, we talked about using blogs to grow your bottom line with Christine McShane, which is something I love to hear as a blog and content writer. Mm -hmm. Blogs help to keep a website refreshed and up to date, and they can also help with SEO, meaning more people are going to find your work, which is all, which is what we all want, right? Mm -hmm. So if you haven't listened to episode 10 yet, you might want to check that out after this episode. But for episode 11 right now, we are going to talk about whether or not you should go freelance and uh, how to really make that decision what it entails. And we're going to be talking with Maya Sharpie, owner and founder of Build Yourself Workshop. But before we go any further, Jesse, what are you drinking today? Ooh, today I'm keeping it under 21. And I'm just drinking a coconut pineapple sparkling water served by yours truly, Kate Andrews. <laughs> I do. Those are my favorite. You get them at Target. You always have them. They're like gather. I think they're called gather yeah. and kind or something like that. They're Seltzer and sparkling delicious. water is like a New England thing. I never drank it before I moved to like Boston. You know, I didn't get onto it until um, Alex and I, when we moved in together, he we, we were drinking like soda regularly and then like Diet Coke. He loves Dr. Pepper. And then we were getting... It's like the worst of the worst sodas, though. Like, I think it's even worse than Coke. Yeah. As far as like sugar content. And it's pretty bad. And we were trying to, like, get healthier. And it was the wedding was coming up. So that was six years ago. Yeah, and cut, we started out, cut out soda. Soda, and soda. Drop, drop five pounds. Yeah. Even, even with diet soda, you know, you drop weight after you. So we got into drinking the seltzer. So yeah. we are very well versed here um, uh, over on Park Street at the in the seltzer <laughs> world. So what we're going to be talking about is huge. It's a huge thing. I mean, it's a big part of this, this whole podcast um, going freelance. Yeah, I think especially this day and age, uh, many uh, of our listeners likely have a side gig or maybe yeah. you're looking to take your side gig or your side hustle into your mm -hmm. full-time business or maybe you're just really starting to think about starting a business from scratch. Maybe yeah. you got laid off from the pandemic and you're looking to do something on your own. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went freelance after I finished my grad program, which was in urban design, nothing to do with photography in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I was primarily just working as a freelance urban planner designer because that's what my background was. I still had my photography business. That was my side gig. Um, but I was able to build that up because I had mm, control over my schedule. Right. And since then, the photography business has actually taken the lead uh, since then and now is 90% of what I do. It's so interesting because I remember I so I had a podcast before this one that was failed invention. Um, and it's funny, Maya was actually the first guest on that, but I also had you on. And at the time, you, and this was only in 2018, you were pretty much 50-50 with your, with your photography and your yeah. urban planning. Yeah. And now it's made that switch. It's made the switch. And I still do a few hours here I and mean, there. I mean, you were still freelance with the urban planning. Yeah. So, you know, you were essentially freelance with both gigs. But yeah. I mean, the photography is just, I didn't necessarily expect it to take off the way it did, but mm -hmm. it... You know, it's interesting the more effort you're able to put into something or yeah. the more. And we're going to talk about this with Maya's mindset. Yeah, um, that's a huge Once part I of it. shifted my mindset on what I wanted to do, it really opened up a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And she does talk a little bit about manifestation and um, but what that means for her yeah. um, and how it's helped her. So, 
Yes. It's it's interesting because, you know, I actually met you when you were working for, you know, Mass DOT and you were more into your urban planning and, mm-hmm. and that kind of aspect. And and people think of that job as more of like the nine to five. You know, you you there's there's not a ton. The free, photographers are pretty much freelance unless you work for like an agency. Um, but, you know, your original position, it's mostly like a. Um, a nine to a typical nine to five job, whereas you know what I studied to do, which was television production, um, journalism, that can so that can heavily be a freelance yeah. world, and that was always that was always an option. Um, in in what when I studied, you know, they talked about okay, going freelance versus working for an agency or an outlet exclusively, and I was terrified about like even when I went into that job. Um, into the into the whole industry i was terrified of the idea of going freelance Mm -hmm. because i had lived in a house where you know um my father owned his own business and we were always dealing with money shortages and lawsuits and all that i mean he was a terrible terrible business owner you know um so but that's what i saw and so the idea of going freelance was terrifying mm-hmm. to me even though i was in this world where i could have essentially gone freelance right. so i stuck with the 9 to 5 for 7 years and even transitioning from broadcast journalism to pr the dark side of journalism mm-hmm. and it wasn't until and i've talked about this before on here it wasn't until i had my daughter and i was like just sick of the you know you know, Maya is going to talk about this. You know, sometimes you can take your nine to five, as she said, and you can and you'll hear about this in a minute. You can take your nine to five and you can turn it more into the job that you want rather than just leaving it completely. I didn't have that option. And so it wasn't until I had REL when I took my maternity leave and I realized I didn't want to go back to that nine to five that I thought to myself, I I need to give this a try. Um, and so I started, you know, I started working more heavily on my blog and then you had asked me to write for your blog. And then I've taken other clients on and other tasks and worked on right. some really exciting projects. I would so, say, interestingly enough, this pandemic, ha- your business, I feel like, has mm-hmm. grown Oh yeah, substantially. Since, and I'm hoping that once, yeah. other, you know, because I'm working for mostly photographers, which, you know, but talk. that's like near and dear to your heart. You you've you've yeah. been through the whole wedding. You've had photos taken. Like you've been in a very your experience and background in journalism and film, mm-hmm. and it kind of all ties together the yeah. visual content piece. So I think that's like it's a maybe a good niche for you. Yeah, at this and point. and I mean you're so talented in photography that why wouldn't you want to be in like <laughs> oh, I mean, well, is, thank you. Well, this is something when we talked yeah. about so many years ago. I was like, why isn't Jesse just all the time in photography? I know. She's so good. But you know, we have really. We really have a lot of ground to cover. So let's get to what uh, Maya had to say because you guys, uh, you you need to hear this. It's amazing. We are here today with a good friend of mine, Maya Sharpie. She is the founder and owner of Build Yourself Workshop. And she's going to be talking to us about going freelance and what that could mean for you. So welcome, Maya. We are so happy to have you. I am excited to chat with you today about this wonderful topic about going freelance because it can be scary. It can be exciting. It can be all the things a roller coaster ride. So welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. First off, before we even get into the good stuff, we must start with the other good stuff, which is what are you (laughs) drinking? Yeah. 
Okay, so I know Jesse from when I lived in in Boston. So while you guys are, you know, like drinking your hot toddies, I have <laughs> recently moved to Florida, and so I'm actually it's it's eleven in the morning. So I'm currently drinking like flavored water with grapefruit and bitters. I actually really like to put cocktail bitters in my water, make them make them more uh, delicious. So I never yeah. would have thought of doing that. Yeah, that yeah, sounds really, really good. good. I guess I'm cocktailing all the time. But not really. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is awesome. <laughs> so I think we always like to start off with giving our audience a brief um, introduction uh, uh, about who you are and your journey. So I'm just going to have you go ahead and just give us all of all of the details, your journey, what it is that you do and um, who you are. Yeah. Okay. So I am a career and business coach. I work with women in the design field and creative fields. Um, it actually was a business that I kind of, you know, ended up in. It wasn't what I thought I would be doing. So um, I have a background in landscape architecture, but had always wanted to work on socially impactful work. And I figured at some point I'd find a way to work it in. And then um, uh, when I, around when I graduated, and we can get more into this, but around when I graduated from grad school, I'd been doing a side project on business models of social impact design. We're like really trying to understand how are people working socially impactful, uh, it, social impacts into their business model. And I didn't want to finish the research. Um, I wanted to like get it out there so we could help people. And I had six months before my loans kicked in. So I was like, well, I'm going to do this freelance thing for a little while, like just because it's, you know, take a safe risk. And then, a, you know, fast forward maybe. A year or two later, I was running a design consultancy that worked with a big affordable housing organization. I worked with Friends of the High Line. I was doing a lot of design, um, design-driven consulting, working on um, uh, work that was kind of like more strategic in nature. And then I had this little side project, which was teaching basically like a feminist boot camp um, to women in design. And at a certain point, and you know, maybe we'll chat about this. It, I was, it was like I was doing way too many things, so I decided to break up with my boot camp. And then I ended up deciding to break up with my design consultancy and turn my boot camp into a full, a full uh, company that now has coaching, training. We have a signature program, um, and I work a lot with. Um, I do a lot of career and business coaching one on one. I feel like a lot of people you know, you're talking about doing too many things at the same time. A lot of people have a side hustle these days. And unfortunately, when it gets to be so much, they they look at giving up the side hustle instead of giving up the nine to five, you know, and that's giving up your dream, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things um, there, there, I think that there is a stage when you've kind of got to decide You've got to get clear on what you want to do what, right? What is going to what is going to make the money? What is going to fulfill this creative need? What's going to fulfill that need? Ideally, you can find a way to blend them all together into a small number of things because that way you can really focus. Um, but I think what can happen sometimes is you might want to do the side hustle and maybe it's not yet at a place where it can financially sustain you. But if you get really clear on what you do want, then you can grow into a place where it does financially sustain you and make some really clear and super strategic choices about what you spend your time on in order to push that future that you really want forward. Right. So I guess taking it a step back then and taking a larger look at it, how how would one even start to even build their freelance career? I know we just talked about, you know, it starts off as a side gig. Is that sort of the way you would recommend or, or how, do, how would one start to think about that? 
Mm. Yeah. So I, I kind of recommend both like long-term thinking and then short-term thinking. And um, okay. So what I recommend is having a kind of North star of where you ultimately want to be. And um, it can be in your career. It can be in a business. Like I'll give an example. So one of my clients um, got clear on the fact that she wanted to start a certain um, design consultancy um, in a certain context of keeping it anonymous. Um, but it wasn't a good time to go out on her own just because of like what with the stage her family was at, you know, who was making what. And so knowing that she wanted to do that, right? She had this long-term vision. She was able to say, uh, okay, so what clients, like what reputation would I need to start that? Which clients would I need to know? You know, what kind of skills would I need to have? And then she was able to look at her job and then strategically pick out for her, it was um, volunteer service and say, okay, great. How can this volunteer service get me in front of the right people, right? Build that network. How can I look at my job and look at my responsibilities and reinterpret them so I can either get this skill or build this reputation? So that's like the long-term piece. Um, And I think the long-term piece is just helpful because it kind of helps you make these decisions when, you know, you're really busy. Like, what do I spend my time on? Right. Cause uh, like, I don't want to go without sleep to like make the side hustle happen. Like that's not, not going to be sustainable for very long. So I need to actually have a better decision-making like prioritization system, but then there's the short-term piece and you kind of need to have both. And it's like about actually taking action. Usually that's scares you and um, exposes you, (laughs) like makes you vulnerable towards that future. So, you know, sometimes people will like want to build a business and they'll spend all their time like making the perfect leatherhead and like building the website. And instead it's like, nope, like, okay, great. You want to build this business? Like, this is what you want the business to be. What is the thing that you can do today to get a real client or a real customer to hire you? Like, what can you do to get yourself to the moment of potential rejection? And how can you do that faster? And so, um, I love that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I, like a positive like, spin on something right there that would never thought would be positive. Yeah. Cause it's like, once you're, once you're at that moment of rejection, it's like you get real feedback from the world. So like, um, mm. I don't know, like when I first started this design consultancy, I originally thought that I wanted to design landscapes uh, that would ha- uh, for healthcare institutions that would help them um, like get people to be more proactive on health. So they should have like exercise and like community gardens and all this stuff. And I just like dithered around coming up with a concept. And I, what I should have done is I should have like reached out to anyone who I knew. I, I didn't even know who I was going to sell to. And, you know, there's a lot I know now around selling that maybe that wouldn't have worked out, but I should have reached out to everyone who I knew and said, and, you know, I had a, I had a friend whose mother ran a breast milk bank in the Boston area. I should have like set up a meeting with her and said, this is what I want to do. Tell me about your landscape. Are you interested in a, like, I should have been like, I'd love to do this work. Do you think the breast milk bank would be interested? Great. Let's talk about that. And even she was like, we don't have the budget or we don't want to do this or like, I just needed to like have conversations and either get accepted or rejected and then use that to iterate on the concept. And so like now what I know is that healthcare institutions are incredibly complex. And so there's a lot that I would have had to know about like, who do you actually sell to? Cause you can't just ask, you know, like who are the, it's probably like facility managers and there's probably something about the way they do the budgets that like, but I would have figured that out if I'd like ripped off the bandaid faster. And then also I would have figured out that like as much as like health and wellness is like a great thing. 
It wasn't mm-hmm. actually my core pa- passion. It just kind of like fit. And I would have figured that out faster because I would have been like, oh, I thought this looked really good on paper. And so then I would have moved on to what I eventually moved on to, which was doing creative placemaking and um, economic development and, um, you know, focusing on basically a different set of topics. So you, you bring up a really good point because I think so many people are afraid of failure. They just, they, they don't want that. They, they, they feel like if they get rejected or that they feel that this is something they shouldn't be doing. Um, and I think that that fear actually prevents a lot of people from, you know, even trying a side hustle or even taking that side hustle to um, full time. What would you say helped? I mean, what would you say helped you combat that fear eventually? Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's two things. So one is... Um, I don't know. I wish this wasn't true. Like I wish I could like bottle this without the like pain, but I think when you really want something in your life to change and you're like willing to like, okay, let me, let me give an example. So I've had, I had two clients who um, worked with me during the pandemic, um, right? Like before, like the pandemic happened and it was real, it was like real scary. Right. And my, my, Mm. my coaching services, like it's, if you want a job tomorrow, like I'm not for you. If you want to figure out where do you ultimately want to be in your career or business and then have a bigger strategy? Like it's not, basically it's not like, it doesn't help you get the job just to like make it through. It's like longer term. You're not a bandaid. You're the long-term solution. Yeah. So, you know, for people who are feeling like a lot of stress and like, I need to figure this out tomorrow, I'm probably not for them. But so these clients decided to join me during the pandemic. Like, um, you know, there was like a lot of like pressure, extra pressure and stress and kind of like fear factor. And for them, it was also like, they really had to like, you know, for them in terms of their current income level, they had to decide to like really make a commitment to the investment. I watched these clients hustle their butts off, right? Like they, you know, like some of like one of one of them was an introvert. Like they took risks. Like they did things differently. Like they, you know, pushed themselves to put stuff out before they felt totally ready. They like, and both of them got jobs during the pandemic. Both of them like got like level up jobs. And it was, I was like, okay, like, yes, I have strategy and frameworks and I can help you work on like inner critic stuff. But like the pain you felt and the fact that you committed to yourself, so you had to make it work, right? Like you had to like get your family to buy in. Like it was a commitment mechanism. And I kind of, I just wish I could like bottle that. So whatever you can do to like give yourself, I don't, so for me, for ability almost it's yeah, I invested in a, like the first time I invested in a business coach, it was life-changing for me. And it was because she was, she was like fairly good, but it was really because it was like, I invested. And so I committed to making it work and to implementing it. And same thing with, um, I just joined a really um, like a very high level mastermind program. It's the same thing. Like I am committed to make, like making that program work. So that's, I think kind of like a hack. And then I think the other, like getting yourself totally committed. And then the other piece is that, especially, I don't know if this, this might be true for some men as well. um, But I think women can be um, socialized to be rule followers, to be less comfortable. Totally. Totally. And to maybe feel more confident if you're if like, we can feel really nervous if we're going it alone. And so I don't think it's a good idea to wait for your perfect co-founder to come along before you start your gig. But there are ways that you can actually build 
that feeling of not being alone into a solo venture. So, you know, I know Jesse, um, Jesse has this and, you know, with you, Kate, but um, I have a business wing woman and basically she's like my business wife. And over the last six years, like we built this relationship where we, you know, meet once a week, we share a business challenge, we hold each other accountable. And so for me, whenever I'm doing something that scares me, I have someone who I can like brainstorm on it with, or even like I do these things where I like send off a doubtogram, which is like a, um, it's like a little voice note, but like this came up, totally threw me off, feeling stressed. This sounds so no, familiar. No need to respond, <laughs> just sending it off to you, doubtogram out. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because that is our relationship. I will, yeah. Kate will audio message. Now we're on the audio message instead of texting. She got, she, she dragged me into the 21st century. Yeah. And so I'll be, it's like, you know, eight o'clock at night on the couch and I'm listening to an audio message and then I send one back to her and my husband will look at me and be like, you guys are just you guys are just something else. Like, <laughs> he's like, aren't yep. you guys cute? <laughs> yeah. It's but totally it's, like work wife. Yeah. It's, this is it, my most, one of my most important relationships right here. Yeah. But I think yeah. it adds to the accountability factor, but also I feel like in those times of strong self-doubt or fear mm-hmm. or the imposter syndrome comes, kicks in, um, having somebody to bounce ideas off and be like, you know, like I know, Kate, you've sent me a couple like things where you're like not yeah. sure what to do in this situation. Maybe it's with a client or something else. And and it's like, you know, I can provide my two cents. And then mm-hmm. similarly, I'll go to Kate and be like, well, what do you think about this idea that I have? And, you know, and she provides her, you know, two cents. It's so nice to have that person that you can oh, trust yeah. to that has your best interest in mind, too. Well, especially yeah. since Jesse started like, you know, a couple years before I did. And now I'm just, like, we've talked about this before, but, you know, she's like a couple of steps ahead of me. So for me, it's like I can look, I've learned so much from her through, you know, just watching her throughout the years do her business. And now like every once in a while, like the other day, she was like, what do you think of WordPress? Because I work on WordPress. And I was like, well, here, here's my login. Go check it out, <laughs> you know. And yeah. then with Canva, she gave me her login to like check out the pro, you know, plan. And I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to sign up for that. So it's nice to have, you know, that that co-founder. But, you know, Jesse started on her own. You know, I know you, you've, you've told us your story. You've kind of just started on your own. And I just kind of just piggybacked off of everybody. So <laughs> well, yeah. it works. That brings me to the, you know, the question I wanted to ask about imposter syndrome. Mm. And, you know, I still have days where I am like, I suck at life. My business is horrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't handle it all. What am I doing? I'm just going to go back to a full-time job. Yeah. So Maya, tell us, what are you, <laughs> what are your, what is your advice to me, yeah. to me and yeah. to me? And, and, to, the and to me. <laughs> All right. So, you know what I'm going to do, Jesse? Okay. So let's, okay, let's, um, I, I'll tell you um, the kind of general approach, but then maybe we can kind of demonstrate it. All right. <laughs> so, let's do so it. Let me, let me say it. this. Let me say this. So pretty much all of my programs start with uh, working on your inner critic, right? I'm kind of like, none of this stuff can happen. Like, you can't figure out where you want to go in your career business unless you deal with your inner critic because it's just going to block your sense of possibilities. It's going to like hamstring you along the way. And actually most of my programs include um, kind of support for implementation because I know that you might dream up this like great vision for your business and the kind of projects you're going to land and like who you're going to be collaborating with when you're in a session with me or like in my programs. But then you like get out there and that story isn't real until you make it real through action. And so like that action taking it 
like that, that action taking helps you push back your inner critic. And it's also going to be where the inner critic shows up and like tries to like get you off path. And so that's where you most need support, like continued support, wraparound support around your inner critic. So um, what we do is that there's actually, I've identified 10 common patterns of inner critic that, that I most commonly see coming up. Oh, wow. And then there are what I call them power habits. They're, they're like specific things that you can do in order to either respond to the inner critic to kind of like lessen its power or to take action despite the inner critic. So for example, if you struggle with um, like, if you've like really loose boundaries with your clients and you're always like a people pleaser, you might have like the over delivering and people pleasing habit. And so what we do is we are a mindset um, pattern. And so we'll put you on a no diet where you have to say no to something every day and you have to like log it in your journal. And it doesn't matter whether the conversation goes well, right? If your client yells at you, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because the goal is actually to just like take the action almost as if you're, it's like an experiment and to unhook from the outcome so that you can get practice like acting differently. And then, you know, a week later, two weeks later, you look at it and you're like, oh, like, okay, like how'd that go? Oh, turns out that maybe I should have asked this this way or wow, like I said no to this thing that I felt like I had to say yes to. I've been doing this for like seven years and it's been <laughs> taking up a year of my time and wow. nobody even cared, right? Like that I stopped doing it. So, oh my gosh. I love that. I love yeah, to I do too. Yeah, the no diet. I, I yeah. That, well, that's it. I mean, that's one of Jesse's long uh, next year plans. She's got the starfish retrospective retrospective. So that's what the, she, that she's doing this year in 2021. She's one of the things she's doing is and I know this to stop is, saying yes to work. I don't love. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's the Yeah. Tell me about the starfish retrospective. I want it. This sounds intriguing. I want yeah, to hear more about So um, I it's I didn't steal the idea. It's something that's just out there. I don't know who coined coined it first, but you basically draw a starfish with five spots and in each spot there is a start doing stop doing. Uh, more of, less of, and oh crap! What's the other one, Kate? Start, stop, more, less, and maybe keep. Keep, yes, keep. Yeah, and you basically write in all the tasks that you've been doing the last year of what you uh, that and what fits into how that. they fits into those categories. And so, if you want to, like, for those people who are listening, check out Jesse's blog because we did a blog post on it, and it's really fascinating. I'm actually working on my own little starfish right now. Cool. And it's it's really helpful. Yeah. yeah. So one of my stop doing is to s- stop saying yes to work I don't love. So you're yeah. you're on the no diet. It's kind Jesse. of like a no diet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I love, I love it. that. I love that. It's 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 you. So one of the common patterns is like scarcity mindset. Um, so especially when you get started, you feel like you have to take everything and. I think there's something really psychologically powerful about, again, this is like risk, right? Like taking a risk, being vulnerable, like it changes the game. Um, but so this is when I first started, I had a bad client, right? They like didn't respect revision rounds. They had bad design taste. They like, I feel like I didn't end up with like, there were too many cooks in the kitchen. There was a lot I didn't know about how to create set boundaries. And they wanted to hire me after this project that I thought was horrible that I like worked so many hours on to do an additional project. And I told them that I was too busy. I was like, and I actually had nothing on the calendar. I was freaking out about (laughs) money. I was like, so I told them I was too busy. And then I kid you not, um, I'd I'd done this this thing called the chalkboard method, which um, 
grade creative. Uh, so uh, Being Boss is one of my favorite business podcasts. And um, Kathleen Shannon, oh, yeah, that's grade a good creative. One. Yeah, she invented this where it's like you like put on a chalkboard or like a whiteboard, like the things that you want um, to manifest. And so um, I was like, okay, I want to land um, six $5,000 projects, right? Um, and I said no. And then I, I, I'd like done this chalkboard thing. I totally forgot about it. And then, because um, I was working out of my bedroom and I like had like hung my towel over it. And I like looked at it a couple weeks later and I had just landed a $30,000 project. And, with, and it was just... Again, like we don't know whether I, I, a side note, let me say that I believe in manifesting from a psychological perspective. I think that what mm. you focus on is you when you focus on something, you start to see possibilities that you wouldn't see otherwise. Like you mm. like mm -hmm. you act differently. And as a result, um, you have different outcomes. Um, but there was something about that subconsciously where I got clear on what I wanted. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I said no to something that I knew didn't fit, even though I was like shaking in my boots. And then something like, it was exactly what I wanted, but like even better because it was one $30,000 projects instead of like six $5,000 projects, like walked into my life, like a few, it was the biggest contract I'd ever had at that point. And it was just like, that's like, amazing. Yeah, that method, is, so. that's awesome. Yeah. So, so, I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah. Talking, talking about, yeah. Talking about get the work and talking about getting clients, like how, you know, what would you say to somebody that is just starting off and, you know, how, how would you go about getting these clients and what is your, what is your own marketing strategy look like? What type of mm -hmm. content are you putting out that helps you, you know, not only get those clients, but yeah, what's most it, beneficial yeah, in terms of content wise? Yeah. So, okay. So uh, I think there's kind of two answers, right? One is like the sales answer and one is the content answer. And if you are new, sounds like some people who are thinking about doing this are new, the sales answer is the right answer. Um, so sales is about having conversations with individual specific people in order to get them to sign on with you. Whereas market, you know, the, the kind of content marketing answer is about putting stuff out there that gets people interested and into your funnel. And I'm not saying that content is important. And I want to bookmark that because I think content is super important in the beginning, but it it's almost like the relationship between like sales has to be primary and content is like a slower burn strategy. And then as you grow, you can kind of switch it. But um, so what it really means is, well, I'll, I'll say this. Okay. So um, consultancy clients, um, very much word of mouth, like approaching people, um, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, basically like asking proactively for introduction. So, oh, great. Um, you know, I work with a supportable housing organization. I'd love to meet XYZ. Do you think you could make an introduction or like meeting them? You know, we would be collaborating on something and, and I'd say like, okay, for example, let me, um, let me think about this for a second. Okay. So I did a project for the founders of the Design Trust for Public Space in New York. And I got to be part of a convening that they put together based on the research and the work that I put together. And that's where I met um, Robert Hammond, who runs Friends of the Highline. And, you know, just kind of like, like, I, I struck up a relationship with him, kept in touch with him. And he was like, you know, I really like this. And, you know, we're starting this new network, um, like we should chat, right. And so, and it wasn't just, when I tell the story, it's kind of like, okay, well, you had a great project. So you got a great project. But um, there were people who I met in that room who I followed up with and like was able to say like, oh, we should chat. What you're doing is so interesting. Let's talk and starting to have these conversations and just say, 
you know, I think that's something I could help with. Have you, are, are you looking for someone to do that, you know, those resources or that case study or whatever? So it was super, super interpersonal. And then when I started my empowerment, my, um, my workshop, when I first went from just having a boot camp workshop to like doing coaching, and I think that this is what I, it, it's the same process, um, but it kind of, uh, so I think, and it, I think it's something that anyone can just start today. I was inspired by the book, The Prosperous Coach, which says that until your coaching calendar is filled, you should just be on the phone all day until it's not filled. And so what I did with my accountability partner is I had to call two people every week, two people who I thought either would be a good fit or would know someone. And I'd say, hey, I'm starting this new program, blah, blah, blah. I was wondering if you knew one or two people who you think it might be appealing to or might be a fit to. And then I would just shut up and like, let them like think out loud, right? I had them there on the phone thinking about who they knew. I'd like spurred their interest by telling them like, oh, here's what this new program is designed to do, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And it was, you know, it really, it was very vulnerability inducing. And I was like really nervous to get started. So my business accountability partner, she said, you know, why don't you make the first call to me? Call me, don't tell me when you're going to call and just like, don't tell me that you're doing it and just launch in. And, you know, and I'll then I'll like, I'll be your first like mock call. So I like called her. I was like, hi, Kristen. She's like, Hey, what's up? And I was like, you know, I wanted to let you know about this new program I'm, I'm starting. And she like started smiling. <laughs> and I was like, That's a great idea. <laughs> so I got to practice my first referral call on her. But the truth is I sold out my first class of coaching because I just, I made calls for like six to eight weeks and then I filled my program and it was sold out the first time. So it totally works. And again, it's about vulnerability, but like I got better at those calls by like week four or five, I was like pretty darn good at those calls. So that is, that is what I recommend because you can waste a lot of time and energy. Like you can use content as something to hide behind instead of something to fill your funnel and then um, and to use as like a form of like expression and figuring out your IP. So just make sure if you're excited about content, you're not using it to replace sales, especially when you're starting it. Like so I have a follow-up question for that. So when you're, so I know from like personal experience and from what people have told me, especially if you're an introvert, that would give them a lot of anxiety going and mm. having those conversations, whether it is on the phone or whatever. And so one thing though that I have seen is that, Lately, people will randomly like message you, like they'll friend you on Facebook and then immediately send you a message for their service. That's not what you're talking about, right? No, no. You're talking about talk, talking with people that you have an existing relationship with and then reaching out, trying to expand your network from there. Yeah. If people really want like clients, that's the best way to do it. And like, you might be like, well, I don't know anyone, right? Like, okay, well, I don't have this project with the design trust. Like, Actually, like my friend, when she was transitioning into sustainability, it turns out that her like aunt knew someone who hooked her up with a job. Like many of us, the privilege oh. is real. Some of us have, you know, have more yeah. to connections that we want than others. But a lot of us have a lot of wealth in our networks that we're not tapping into. And like that rule of six degrees of separation, if your inner circle doesn't know, then uh, odds are your circle's circle knows, right? Has what you need, right? Um, so mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. And like, yeah, I mean, how many times have you gotten a like random message and you've just been like, delete, 
We've talked about, you know, taking beautiful photos on this podcast. We've talked about hashtags, which is actually a way for people to find you. But at the same time, you know, yes, you should be, you should be creating content. You should be trying to use hashtags or whatever methods to have people find you, but you should also be the one doing some of the legwork. You can't just expect people to come to you all the time. Sometimes like that $30,000 opportunity that you have, you know, something, sometimes something like that pops up, but most of the time it really is about going after those opportunities. And that was something that I honestly, like I went after it, you know, it was like, it was a past client. So, okay. So let me, let me, and I reached back out to them. So let me, let me back up and say my first set of clients came from my network. My second set of clients, right, when I think about build yourself and like how, because build yourself, you know, in in my consultancy, I worked with a small set of clients for big dollar amounts. Build yourself is to, you know, I'm not working with other businesses except for small business owners. And so I, you know, smaller dollar amounts, more clients, right? So my first set of clients were my network and their connections. My second set of clients were, um, you know, somewhat like somewhat my net, my network and their connections, but it was also proactively asking clients I'd loved if they knew anyone, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. don't go out to find the random person on the internet before. And, you know, especially for women, sometimes women can be socialized to not ask for help and for what they want. And so I went to my best clients and I said, working with you, like I was just running a testimonial for one of my clients this morning. I just like wanted to like stand up and dance on the street. Cause I'm like, this woman did such cool things. Like I loved working with you are there one or two people, you know, who you think could, um, might be in a similar position, right? Like, okay, great. My third set of clients, that was when I moved into a broader based, like that was when webinars, um, blog posts, um, social media, LinkedIn, I, you know, I do these like video coaching sound bites. Those started to pay off and bring me then other clients. And you should be doing the content along the way, right? Because, um, Number one, content like sharpens your mind. It articulates your unique intellectual property. It gets it out there for that like slower burn, those slower burn leads. It gets stuff out there. It builds no like and trust, which takes time to build. It also is a way to collaborate with people, right? And, you know, cool people you collaborate with are also like networks of like nodes of people who will hire you. But also like most of us are not just in this to get hired. Like we're in this to like do work we're proud of. And so you can do like such awesome collaborations with people like content. I must kind of think like you got to do the sales, but the content, if you can interpret it in a way that it not only pushes for your business, but you're like, this is where I get to like be creative and like figure out what I think. And like, you know, like collaborate with cool people. Then it becomes, it almost becomes like, it's like, it's like that class it's like recess versus like classes right it's like <laughs> yes <laughs> so well, it's yeah. recess miss recess it's yeah. interesting that you say it that way um and it, i feel like i've always felt this way but now i'm thinking about it differently about content mm-hmm. because yeah like the sales part of it the relationship building is like huge right that's really how you're probably going to close a lot of your deals but while it while that's happening, while you're reaching out and making those connections, that same person is going to be, let's call it stalking you and seeing what type yeah. of content you are putting out that will then validate their decision to yes. work with you, help validate yeah. that yes. decision. So it's yes. almost like supporting your um it's building that no like and trust. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah, I had this conversation with her, but I'm not quite ready yet. She may continue to watch you on Instagram, watch you on yeah. social media, li- read your blog posts, go to your webinars. All of that's then going to solidify like this is the decision that I want to make and work with this person. 
That's exactly right. And, and, you know, I've had people who followed me for like four years before deciding to work with me. Mm. Um, you know, I decided to, um, like I made a big investment decision with a coach. Um, I probably like four or five years saw she was this webinar she did and I'd seen her around online. And like, then finally a friend was like, Oh, I worked with X, Y, Z. She's amazing. And it was like that it was yeah. the right time. And I made that decision. And so yeah. you don't know most, most people are not paying attention to you, but if they're continually like, like they're not going to remember any one post or thing that you did, but like you, if you have like multiple touch points over a course of like a year or two years, whatever, when they have the issue that you can solve, like you might be more top of mind and they trust you because you've been putting stuff out there. Right. All right. Like I, um, so when I reach out to brands, you know, obviously I don't want to have like an Instagram or a blog that's completely blank. You know, I don't want to tell them that I have all of these followers and all of this engagement and then they go and look at it and it's like, well, yeah, but you have like 10 photos up and maybe five <laughs> blog posts and stuff like that, you know, and still it would be even with having this content, they may come back and be like, you know what, you're not quite there yet, but I think it's important to like, I just started my list of contacts where I have all of my media contacts and all of my, co my collaboration contacts. And like every once in a while, I'll reach back out to them and say, Hey, I just did this, you know, just take a look. And I might not even hear back for them, but I've heard there's been times when I, I've all of a sudden gotten something because I've reached back out after a while and said, Hey, I worked with X, Y, Z. Would you, you know, I know we talked about last time, I'm not ready for this, but would you want to work with me? And it's, it's worked out every once in a while. Yeah. So it's important to keep those contacts. And what would you, I'd be interested to know, what would you say? Cause I, I just started kind of the freelance life earlier this year and, <laughs> and it's been, it's certainly been, I mean, I've, you know, I had the side hustle and everything, but it's certainly mm -hmm. been a real um, life experience. What would you say are the biggest misconceptions that you've seen people think of freelance life that they have like all this time or whatever? What, what would you say? Um, wait, are you asking, um, like if somebody you, was considering yeah. going freelance, like what, what are, they, what are, what are some things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah think everybody, scare them. Yeah. I yeah. think people have this, like imagine, you know, they imagine that they're yeah. going to have this like travel nomad lifestyle, which you, sometimes you can achieve, but yeah, let's actually Eventually, talk yeah. about some of the reality. The reality. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, well, okay. Let me say this. I think sometimes people go freelance when they don't have to. I think sometimes people think that the only way they're going to get the flexibility or the autonomy that they want is by going solo. And sometimes what you need to do, and this is, this is why I bring together career coaching and business coaching, because some of my clients are convinced that they need to leave. And then it turns out, like I, I had a client, um, she was actually thinking about leaving a, her job, but she asked, told her boss, you know, I don't want to be a real estate project manager. Like, this isn't what I want to do. Actually, I want to lead like the healthy housing initiative. And her boss was like at first, like throw, like taken aback, but then he, cause he like had, she was on this path and he was like, oh, like, and then he was like, well, okay. Basically she got all the stuff she didn't want taken off her plate. And then she got to do like the stuff she didn't want to do. And he was like, wow, I, I kid you not, by the way, this is like the, 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 like this still blows my mind. He was like, by the way, we haven't talked about your, your compensation in a while. She, she worked at a nonprofit. She got a $25,000 raise to do less work she didn't want to do and more work she did, right? So like, <laughs> that's an awesome, like, success story, my goodness. And it's all about communication. Yeah, sometimes you've got to, like, this is why I do the mindset work. Sometimes you really, like, 
a job has all kinds of infrastructure. You don't have to like fix the printer when it's broken. You don't have, unless you do, but you don't have to like, you know, <laughs> unless that's your job. <laughs> like if you want to raise your profile, like the marketing team might help you, right? Like there's all mm-hmm. like, as long as it's aligned with the business, there's so much infrastructure. And so I, um, whenever people are thinking about going solo, I always gut check. Like we do this exercise where you take all the reasons, like the downsides of the things and uh, that you are like, basically all the negative things that you think about a certain pathway. And then we kind of gut check, is this like a limiting belief? Like actually, you know, oh, it's, it'll be easier to raise my kids if I'm, um, if I'm freelance. Well, actually you may have just traded like a really nice salary for demanding clients. And so I'm not saying you shouldn't go freelance, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is the most important thing is actually remembering and using your agency, right? Mm -hmm. Asking for the things you want, um, setting um, boundaries with clients. And we can talk about that, but like, um, okay. So that's one is like really understand why you want to do it and then find out, could I get those needs met elsewhere? Um, And it doesn't mean that you, like some people are just like, I always wanted to do my own thing. And I'm just like really into that. I'm praising you. I'm, I'm, celebrating you because if you know that then that's great but otherwise like gut check that because I don't want you if you feel a sense of lack of agency in your job you may just bring that right in with you into your business life so I think that's just the first thing but then um the other two things that I think are really key and good to know before like as you get started is and I cannot remember who said this but it's so brilliant um I've been trying to attribute it for years but like someone once said when you work uh for someone else you outsource um structure and motivation to your boss so (laughs) good point I mean you get paid for vacations in that respect so you know yeah I think we don't realize how much we rely on like going into the office or having someone who we know we can't disappoint and so building those structures whether that's through a morning routine or like I have Mm -hmm. like a I have like a calendar, like a, um, like a templatized calendar about what I do when, whether it's like webinars or reaching out to clients or, you know, working on this part of my coaching versus that part of my coaching. Um, I start my day by like going outside every day because it like gets me feeling like my day started. And so just really kind of like building some structures. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last piece is that it is okay to set boundaries with clients, even when you're new. And boundaries can make a client feel actually more supported and make you feel worth more rather than worth less. So like I had a business owner client and she had this like really ill-defined retainer. And um, she was just like, it was like all this, like she never knew exactly what to do. And it was just like all this time. And I was like, okay, why don't you redefine the terms of the retainer? Say, this is how you access my time. This is what I can do. Here's when I'm available. Here's the process here's the price. And she was like, I just sent a quick email and the client was like thrilled. And like, now I'm getting paid like more for less work. And I think sometimes clients just like want to work with a professional. And I know that I even like, I just hired a web developer um, and they like were really informal or like open to like lots of scope creep. And, and she ended up, we worked with them. She ended up being like a really great, it was just, we had different working styles, but I was like, I don't know if I want to hire this person who's willing to do extra work, who's like willing to do work out of scope, because I've just learned that people who don't have boundaries, like they're not, 
professionals and it will backfire. I've had assistants who've ghosted me. I've had like a web developer who ghosted me. And I'm just like, I don't want to work with someone who doesn't respect their own time because I just don't think it's going to work out well. You know, that is that is like mind blowing, because if you think about it, like so many people, when they hire someone and they ask for more, it, if the, it, it's like if that person doesn't come back and say, oh, yeah, of course, you're you're afraid so if if like I've had clients come to me and be like, um, I want this, this, this and this. And right now, because I am in the beginning parts, I've been like, oh, yeah, sure. And I think I'm fearful that if I come back and say no on something, I might be that people pleaser that you're talking about, that they're not going to work with me. They're not going to want to work with me. So it's so refreshing to hear that that point of view. And I think more people need to adopt. And, and maybe I just need to be thinking about it in a different way. That maybe that person. Well, I think you can still do the work. You just have to say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that for you. My rate for that is X, Y, and Z. And this is actually something Jesse and I have talked about before. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's yeah. Maybe that's a power habit, right? Like the next three times someone asks you for work out of scope, say, Mm -hmm. "I'd love to do that." You know, it's actually an ad service. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's how it works. Let me know if you want um, to do it. We can add it to your agreement. Like, and just like you're gonna be like. See, like that, just, like, that little nugget that you just provided, Maya, is like so, yeah. so well, that, amazing. That brings me to another point. So, you know, say you provide a service to someone and you're say, you know, you, you've kind of outlined it and they come back at you and they say, oh, do you also do this? Say it's, you know, you're talking about being professional. Say it's something that you typically have not done, but you know how to do it. How would you suggest to somebody who's starting to go freelance? How would you suggest they come back and like a- approach that if there's something that they know how to do that they can, you know, they can provide a good service? Would you have them be honest with that client? Would you say the honesty is the best policy? Like I haven't worked with other people, but I do know how to do it. And here's what I would, you know, say, or would you just have them like not even mention it? Just yeah. kind of come back with a rate and a service. So, okay. I I'm glad you asked this question because it's like, it's actually getting us back into mindset territory. So, okay. So depending on your gender, Ben, you know, depending, again, men and women don't all automatically like math to these by and large ways we're socialized, mm-hmm. but they're generally what I see. Cause I, I, I've focused my business on working with women because I'm interested in closing the, the influence gap. Mm-hmm. What I see is that women um, don't see their, um, capabilities as clearly, right? There's actually this study um, that of uh, job job applications and men in the study were more likely than women to say, um, I need three out of five, I'd be awesome at this job. And women were more likely to say, four out of five, I can't apply to this job. And so, you know- I, I totally actually, agree with you on that, yes. Yeah, I once actually assigned a client, I was like, you're gonna apply to eight jobs and at least three out of five of them, you need to make sure that you are only four fifths qualified. Like, and when the does, <laughs> she ended up getting one of those wow. jobs. And it like broke her out of being bored. She was at these, like in these um, positions where she was bored because she was applying for stuff she was underqualified for. So what I would say is I actually, I think that, I mean, you're not quite asking this, but I feel like it's like, we got to get there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you should hesitate to do things that you've never done before. I, you're going to feel the fear. I love this say, answer so far. <laughs> well, Maya, I've say, seen you yeah. talk about this before. Something, I, I feel like I've seen a piece of your content where it's, you know, don't, like you build your portfolio as you go along or something 
to that extent. I can't remember which piece of content I read of yours, but you don't have to have all the experience in the world. Use your current work and 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 go forward with that. I I, I don't know if you can recall which yeah. piece I'm talking about, but that's kind of what you're speaking about. Yeah. And you know, you're going to feel the imposter syndrome when you're doing it and you're just going to oh, be like, totally. oh, hi, inner critic. Like, right. Cause I'm stretching and like, I'm going to call Jesse and like tell her I'm stretching. She's going to be like, great. This is like, this project is a test, right? Like it'll probably be good enough. And if there are some things that are off, it'll probably still be good enough. And then you're going to learn and you're going to be able to roll that into your next project. And um, so I think like, that's actually the place to start. And I don't think you need to tell a client that you haven't done it before. And I think if you're like really worried, like, oh, I've never done this before. What I, when another power habit I have is I have clients write down, like even on like a post-it and stick them in their wallet, like five times they were able to learn something that they haven't done before and they did it successfully. Because if you're starting a business, you probably are resilient. You're probably smart. You're probably a problem solver. You're probably like good at taking action. And so even if you haven't, run a um, facilitated a like, you know, strategy session before you could research how to facilitate a strategy session, you could ask two friends for, um, you know, advice, or like ask them to walk through their agenda. You could like research, you know, set your timer for 20 minutes and research it on Google and say, great, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to like, do the best I can. And like, I've solved problems before, I will solve this problem, it will be okay. I, I just, I said, I love this answer. I loved where you were going, but I do love the answer. And I think that a lot of people, you know, mostly women listen to this podcast. So I think that a lot of them are going to take away from that. Like, it's okay to try new things, which is essentially, I mean, when you're going freelance, you are taking that huge risk to like get, you know, go away from the nine to five. And I mean, let's face it, women aren't ascent, haven't essentially been risk takers. They, 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 they've been conditioned to choose the safe option. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I love about, like, I think you can do this in your job. I think you can do this uh, as a business owner, but a business owner like really pushes you. I think you can really grow as a person and it's not always easy. Like there's been, you know, uh, Jesse, I think knew me when I went through assistant capocalypse 20, tw- was it 2018 where like my assistant ghosted and it was like really terrible. Oh my and, God. Yeah. It was like, I was in the middle of some like high profile marketing partnerships and she just like, it, it, it was, yeah, she just like ghosted. It was, it was a problem, but um, I'd say I so, yeah. like crying and like probably hyperventilating and, um, and um then I, and I just, it was like, okay, like this is terrible. And I have to like apologize to some people and, you know, like something's broke and that's not good. And like, you know, it, it really spurred me to say, okay, obviously like I had never managed or led someone before I started my own thing. So it's like, okay, obviously I need to really learn how to do this differently. So it was like, I like whined to friends and was like, how could I get good at this? And then I eventually kind of was like, okay, well, okay, it sounds like people have like a better onboarding process and here's their structures and I might need to hire differently and da, 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 da. Let me try this on the next person. And the next person I did a lot better. And then the next person I did like a lot better. And it was just, it's like, I don't know, my friend, Cara, Cara Lowenthal, who runs the podcast called Unf Your Brain. She's like a feminist mindset coach. She talks about like being resilient and resourceful is like believing that you can solve your problems. And it's, I just, I think you can really, 
build that part of yourself up through taking the risk of um, becoming um, a business owner. And it's like, it's not always easy, but it like, you just feel like such a boss afterwards. So yeah, I, I feel like it's a good way to learn too. If you take on a task that you're not sure if you like it or not, but you know, you can do it, try it, see if it works. And if you know, you like it, then that's something then you can pursue. But you know, like you said early in your career, Maya, like you weren't, sh- it turns out you you didn't really like doing some of the things you, you did or tried. And, you know, so I think figuring it out earlier or trying things new, you can figure things out earlier. Yeah. Cause I mean, one last thing I'll say about this is like, you got the long-term North star, you got the short-term, the short-term tests the long-term. And what happens is the long-term can kind of like tweak and adjust. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're trying to, if you're going to California and you don't know whether it needs to be San Francisco or LA, you set your GPS for one of them. And if it turns out that it, you needed to go to the other, at least you're still halfway through the country. Right. And you've like take an action towards that goal instead mm. of just waiting. So that's why it's really good to have that long-term intention because it helps you figure out how to take that action. And yeah, it'll adjust and tweak and change and that's okay. But at least it like gets you moving. So we do these interviews obviously for our listeners, but I think it's been so much help for me because I think the biggest things I've learned today is not to be afraid of failure, which I've always been so afraid of, um, not to be afraid to take risks and I think, Je- and Jesse's kind of taught me this, don't be afraid to say no. So I appreciate that. Well, I take that back. I take, I mean, when, when you know, Maya and I connected, you know, how long ago is it now? Like 2016, I think is when we originally connected. That was like, I was like, wow, this girl, like she knows. Yeah. Like, she's got her, her together, like, <laughs> you know, like, and I just remember being, feeling like, really empowered just from the time we've connected in the past. And, and I still take that with me. Like, don't be afraid to say no, if it's not a good fit, don't be able to charge what you think you're worth. And that's That's something that's carried with me because a, I've ended up in situations where I've done a ton of work and I look back at my hourly rate and I, you know, made maybe $5 an hour. And I was like, that's irresponsible for my, my own finances and family, but just, mm-hmm. I can't do that. Like, it's just, yeah. I, I'm worth more than that. Please tell us a little bit about how people can work with you and what they can, how they can get in touch with you for, for your services. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I, I do um, one-on-one business coaching. So I work with um, business owners and I work with them in two ways. So the first is through a business direction program where you get clear on your business North star, and then um, you bake that into like your path moving forward. So clients who I've worked with have developed new services, um, gotten booked on podcasts, um, you know, de- developed and kind of, I'm very, I really push action. So really um, kind of pushing, like taking action, like don't wait till you feel ready to pitch the podcast, pitch it today, right? So if you want to get yep. like pushed a little, but then also get that clear North Star for your business, um, you can work with me. And Honestly, the best way to start the conversation is just to email info at buildyourselfworkshop.com. And then, you know, I have an application process I have potential clients go through. Um, If you are more advanced, I also have a a, um, program called the Women Leaders Thought Leadership Coaching Program. And we dive in on a thought leadership asset. For you, it might be a signature talk. It might be a creative, like a high profile, super strategic creative collaboration so that you can connect with the right people and get to do a creative project. Um, 
podcasting, you know, et cetera. And so we define your, your thought leadership strategy and give you a key asset. Um, and um, so same thing, just email info at buildyourselfworkshop.com to start the conversation. Um, I also do have a um, special um, tool that I put together uh, for people who are trying to identify their core mindset challenges so that they can move past them. So, um, and I put it together for, uh, for listeners. So if you go to buildyourselfworkshop.com backslash C and C, so C A N D C, um, you can get access to it and it will help you take your thoughts and translate them into your core mindset pattern so that you can know, like, do I need to do a no diet or do I need to like propose something daily or like pitch something daily? Or do I need to, um, I don't know, like one of my favorite ones is like, um, like, uh, like what would a white man do? So, <laughs> so if you, you want to get a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be downloading get, that for sure. Yeah, yeah. me too. Me too. Yeah. Going to be chat. We was, we're we're going to be recording some uh, uh, parts of our episodes now, and I think Jesse and I are both going to be sitting here on our laptops looking that up. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, dot com backslash cnc, and you can get access to that. Oh my, you are. And then awesome. they can find you on Instagram and just your website too, right? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, if you want to start, I mean, you know, love yeah. getting DMs, love getting messages. So just you know, reach out. We'll link those up in the show notes, right, Kate? Yes, we will. Make sure of that. Maya, thank you so much. I mean, I feel like, as I said, we do these interviews for our listeners, but I feel like I've learned so much today. So now I need to put it into action. It's like a mini coaching session here. Seriously, I feel so good right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, keep me posted. I'll be cheering you on, okay? Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. All I have to say is, wow. I love Maya. I mean, I know her yeah. from 2016-ish mm-hmm. time frame, and she's always so inspiring, yeah. and I feel like she pushes you to think about things so differently. Well, I've only had the two conversations, like, seriously, I've only had two conversations with her, the first being for that first failed podcast. <laughs> it's not even available. Don't even go looking for it, guys, on uh, iTunes. It's not there. Um, and I just remember feeling... Like she was one of the, this was back in 2018. I just thought to myself, wow. And she was, it turned into a coaching session. Every time she talks to you, it's like a mini coaching session. Yeah. So you could see that and you could hear that. In she this loves what she does. She does. She She's so good at it too. And I, you know, I needed to hear what she was saying, you know, and I said, mentioned this earlier about taking that risk, mm-hmm. you know, investing money. Cause obviously she's a coach, yeah. you know, and it's, it caught, it's, there's money involved in, in coaching and it's her time and, you know, charging what you're worth. Yes. So important. So but important. what you said earlier, the mindset thing, talk to us about that. So I think, you know, well, I mean, if you just listen to what she was saying, having mm-hmm. a mindset that you are able to overcome a lot of like combating your inner critic, mm-hmm. maintaining, um, you know, strength to push through the times where you feel completely vulnerable or awkward or uncomfortable. I think the work that she does with her clients, um, you know, building on the mindset. And that's something that I've had to learn. And what I mentioned earlier is shifting your mindset. And and it's amazing what you can accomplish if you just put your mind to it. Yeah. Um, But also what's interesting is the accountability piece that she talked about. Oh, yeah. My business bestie being you. Yes, my business bestie being you. Her business wing woman. Mm -hmm. And having someone that maybe isn't a coach, but someone that Mm -hmm. you can just confidently go to that understands your business, yeah. that will give you 
advice with the best intention in mind, without any strings attached, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. And every person should have someone like that. Now she's yes, yes, I agree. And it's you know it's interesting because she talks about how she usually she works primarily with women, and she mentioned some of the differences between men and women in terms of their their career thinking. And you know, it's I'm not I didn't even think about it until right now when I when you listening to you. Um, you know, it's funny because my mom it's gonna sound so out of left field. My mom writes a Christmas newsletter every year, and. She'll ask me, what did you do this year? And I'll say to her, I, I really didn't do too much, mom. <laughs> and then she'll be like, this is so this is so personal, guys. But, you know, she'll be like, Kate, I need you to sit down and write about write down the stuff that you did this year. And it's funny because I wrote down this this year. I wrote down this past year. I this year, say. you did a lot. Yeah, I, well, I, I did. That. I did do a lot. But, you know, you don't even think about it. Right. So I wrote down this whole long list of things that my daughter had accomplished. And, you know, she's walking and she's saying these words and everything. And then I got to myself and it was a long list of things Woo-hoo. that I'd done. And then I looked back on like my resume, looking at my resume. And because I still keep a, I still try to keep my resume refreshed. Even as a freelancer, you really should have a resume. And I was looking and like, I hadn't included half the stuff. And I mean, some of it's just for fun. Some of it's actual career stuff. I hadn't included half of it. And it really shows you the difference between a man and and look at his like a man's resume and you look at his resume and it's got all this stuff listed down and then a woman's um, resume we tend to downplay things Mm -hmm. so it's really important that we take stock of what we do and we don't apologize for what we've accomplished that's a that was a big thought she didn't say it but a lot of it was don't apologize for what you've done yeah and who you are and what you can do yeah Again, yeah. it was just so inspiring. Yeah, I think I think one of the other big takeaways was having sort of that long term vision with mm-hmm. like short term approaches and understand that with that in mind, you know, the steps you need to take to get you there. But keeping in mind that you might have to pivot halfway there or, you mm-hmm. know, it might change a little bit. But having that ultimately like what's the long game here yeah. um, in mind. And then the other takeaway that I thought was really great is, you know, getting clients. So obviously when you're a freelancer, that's like. That was now, this is life changing. How do I get clients? Yep. And I think, and this is what I teach in my boot camp, is mm-hmm. that relationship building, nurturing those relationships is how you're going to get those clients. And she just really solidified it and made, you know, validated my own approach. And mm-hmm. that it that's true. That's how I get a lot of my photography clients. It's not, you know, DMing them out of the blue, hey, do you need a brand photography session? It's engaging with them. It's, you know, building that relationship, having those conversations. And what happens is a year later, they may say, oh, I'm ready for a brand session now. They've learned that I show up consistently. They've been checking my portfolio for the last year to make sure I'm a good fit. So building those networks and expanding upon your existing networks for leads and is I think huge. Always creating a stellar product. And, you know, we she talked about not, you know, making sure you charge what you work worth and not going beyond your scope of work unless you're willing to do that work for an extra charge. Um, you know, always creating a, a stellar experience will keep people coming back to and also it will, you know, You've always done such a great job with my photos. And like when you were into the family photography and everything or wedding photography, I was like, you really should look at Jesse. You really should look at, you know, Jesse. And every time, you know, I'm on 
I'll be on the Boston Blogger or the Boston Businesswomen and I'll see somebody asking. And it used to be I would be the first one that would get on there and be like, Jesse Wyman is the best brand photographer or the best wedding photographer whenever you were working on at that point. Now branding, obviously. I don't even have to be that first person anymore. I'll look at the list and there's already like two or three people that have said Jesse Wyman. Yeah. So so building your network, maintaining yes. those relationships, nurturing those relationships. And mm-hmm. I have I have a lot of people sort of cheering me on, but then I I reciprocate. I always try and help out when you've done I can that with me them. time and time again. So um, the other you know. point that you sort of touched upon that I thought was great is like, you know, a lot of people go freelance because they think they're going to get this like, you know, very flexible oh, life yeah. and be able to be a traveling nomad. That and, was quickly you know, working on your laptop on the beach. Yep. And, and yeah, that can happen. But what you're craving and flexibility, you might actually be able to achieve in your nine to five. So Mm. if you are just looking for a change in lifestyle, let's say you do love your nine to five and you're like weighing, should I go freelance so I can get X, Y and Z? You might just be trading dollars for time or time for dollars and you might be able to go in and ask for what you want from your boss and say, hey, this is this is what I want to work on more. And, you know, I, I need my schedule to be a little bit more flexible yeah. or you can you can have that conversation. And Maya talks about that. Um, and I thought that was really eye opening as your thinking yeah. is freelance. Great. And, and and that's what she teaches, you know, in her coaching session is really to sort of evaluate. Is this actually what you want or what mm-hmm. else? What's the end goal here? I think that it's important to realize that freelance life is not for everyone. You know, if if you, as you said, if you like your job, if you're good at what you do and you can talk with your boss and to finagle it to whatever other end goal that you're interested in, that's fantastic because you really have to be willing to put in the time and the extra energy. You Bust, bust your booty. When you become a freelancer, you're not just, you know doing the work you're also the boss you also don't have a boss to hound you to get x y and z done you might not do it and that's and that was you know what i grew up in in my family is that it just the work didn't get done because so and so didn't have like somebody telling them okay you need to do the work because you do you need to be your own i mean it's great because we do have each other as business besties and i feel like we do cheer each other on but you also have to be accountable to yourself you have to pay those taxes you have to run your yep. quickbooks you, you have, have to, to be hr if there's an if you do end up you, you have to be the marketing consultant out. the graphic designer mm-hmm. the bookkeeper the ceo yeah. the cfo you have to take everything. into account that it's not just you're not going to be able to quit your job and then everything's going to come at you you have to keep that networking up you know you're not you're not going to get handed work right away right. like you would when you work at a nine to five exactly um so you know those are all things to take into account we would suggest you know if, if you're looking for somebody to talk to about this Maya is a great option and she shared her information you can also find that on our webpage cocktailsandcontentcreation.com that's where you can find our show notes you can also join our facebook group we'll have some more information about that on cocktails and content creation community thank you so much for joining us for another episode of cocktails and content creation you can check us out on instagram at cocktails and content creation we'd love to hear you know what you think of the show if you'd review us on apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening we're available on a lot of different platforms and you can email us if you want to get a little more personal cocktails and content creation gmail.com i'm kate andrews and you can follow me on instagram at fashionably kate and co and i'm jesse wyman you can follow me on instagram at jesse wyman photos or if you're a brand photographer or photographer looking to pivot i am at the brand photographer method make sure to tune in next time when our guest janessa mckenzie of elevated entrepreneur shares with us three things you need to know before you create your content until then cheers to your next cocktail and happy content creating Mm -hmm.